So there's an expression often used in the business world or in the world of commerce that if someone is a good salesman, they could sell sand to the Arabs. You know, this idea that you could sell something that someone doesn't need. Just you can, you're, you're so convincing, so compelling by what you say that you could actually sell something to someone who doesn't, really doesn't need it. Firstly, sand isn't very useful anyway, unless you're making cement, which Arabs don't do, I think. And secondly, they have loads of it, so uh, it's, it's kind of a pointless venture, selling sand to the Arabs. I think when it comes to divine mercy, divine mercy only makes sense if we recognize the need for it. If we don't recognize the need for God's mercy, then mercy is superfluous. Fine, grand, grand it's there, okay, like tons of sand, but so what? Unless, unless we need mercy, mercy is useless. So there's a, a, a balance. We, we talk about balance so often here, but there's a, there's a necessary balance to be maintained uh, when we talk about God's mercy, and that's the understanding of, of the reality of sin, that sin exists and it's real, and I do it. And that's then counteracted, and dare I say even healed, by God's mercy. But if you've got mercy on its own and there's no sin, well then mercy isn't necessary. It's nice, but for who? You know? It's very interesting because I know this, there's, been, uh, there's been a very uh, substantial cultural shift uh, in Ireland over the last maybe 70 years from like the, the 50s to to now where uh, there was probably a, an excessive dwelling on, on sin and everything of sin and punishment for sin and uh, the good old-fashioned homilies where you'd, you know, get someone to put their hand over a candle and tell them, see how much that burns, imagine your whole body burning for all eternity. You know, the good old days, you know. Um, so th- there, was, there was that kind of an attitude for, for, for quite some time. And I think it made us kind of rebellious towards the idea of sin. I think then we thought that uh, sin is just, the idea of sin is just there to control us. The idea of sin is just there to kind of beat us down. The idea of sin is there to make us feel bad, to make us feel guilty. And we reject all of that because now we want to be free and we want to be recognized that we're good for the fact that we're good people, that we do good things. So the idea of sin is just very, very unpopular, you know? Uh, we've rejected it. But yet, human nature is what it is and we are weak and we make mistakes and we fall and we fall short of the mark even the word for sin in Greek uh, is a term that was used in archery for missing missing the target so the target is what the target is is wholeness the target is sanctity Jesus would say be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect the target is perfection and sin then it misses the mark it's, it's just, it's off in some way. And it's funny how, if, if you ask most Irish people, it's, it's interesting how uh, we have these kind of two extremes that we want to be kind of in between somewhere. But it's a, it, it, it's a kind of an, an odd turn of phrase or kind of odd expressions that you hear. Um, when you ask people about their, their prayer lives, which I, I have to do on occasion, uh, how they're getting on as regards you know, their prayer life, and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, I go to Mass, I, I go to Mass every now and again. I wouldn't be a Holy Joe, though. Oh, I wouldn't be a Holy Joe. I don't know who this Joe is, but people, people really don't want to be like him, whoever he is. But uh, I wouldn't be a Holy Joe, though. No, Jenny, no. No, no, no. I go to Mass, go to Mass, go to Mass. But I don't know all them uh, charismatic Ethan Jenny, no. No, 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 no. And, and so, so being a Holy Joe is bad, right? Whatever that is, right? Whatever that is, we shouldn't be that. Uh, but then they kind of balance it. But, but I, mean, I mean, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be the worst. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be like Hitler. I wouldn't kill anyone now. I wouldn't kill anyone at all. <laughs> right? So you're not Holy Joe and you're not Hitler. 
Okay, good. What are you? <laughs> what are you? Or maybe better said, what does the Lord ask us to be? Because if, if we're somewhere between not being a Holy Joe and not being Hitler, um, that standard more than likely then is established by me. I set up my standard. What, how holy am I supposed to be? How much am I supposed to pray? That'll be determined by me. And I know that if you've ever been a teacher and you ask the students to mark their own homework, they tend to do remarkably well. <laughs> you know, if we, if we are our own standard, well, then our standard will drop according to, to where I'm at because it's, it's just easier. It's just easier. Why would I set myself high goals? Just keep it easy. So, so sin exists and sin is real and I do it. I commit it. Because the standard isn't to just not be a Holy Joe or not be Hitler. The, the standard is, is to be a saint. That's the standard. That's what we're called to. And if you ask, that, if you, I mean, uh, if you ask anybody that, so, right, so you're not Holy Joe and you're not, not, a, not a Hitler. Um, are you a saint? Oh, Janie, no. No, no, no. No, 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 not at all, not at all. Okay, well then in that case, there's, there's imperfection there, right? And then they feel kind of accused, but like, I mean, you just said it, you're not a saint, like, so, you know, if we can just tease it out a little, we can identify what the problem is, it's just trying to be a good doctor of the soul, you know, if, if we can identify what the problem is, then you can start identifying the solutions, the diagnosis, you know, prognosis. So, yeah, so, we're called to, to sanctity. We're called to be saints. And I think there's not one of us here apart from maybe the wee babas, if they could speak, uh, who'd, who'd say, well, yes, I'm feeling pretty holy right about now. Uh, most of us know that, we're, that we've fallen short of the mark. And that is okay in the sense that that's not the end of the story. You see, we were never meant to do all these things on our own. We were never meant to become saints on our own. We were never meant to be perfect on our own. Right from the beginning, God knew we would need his mercy. Right from the beginning, the passion, death, and resurrection was planned because he knew we would need it. So we were never meant to do all of this on our own. So that reality of sin and the fact that, that I've committed it is, is balanced, it's fixed, it's healed by God's mercy. And that's worth celebrating. And if we understand that, then, then the Feast of Divine Mercy starts to make a lot more sense. God knew that we would need his mercy. If you ask teachers, uh, especially, well, primary school teachers, secondary school teachers, it's, it's more or less the same, but I think in primary school there's a particular uh, observation that they make that you can often tell in first class, senior infants, you can often tell the kids who are going to do well. And you can often tell the kids who are going to have a rough time. At that age, like six and seven, you can see that kid's going to be tough going. You know, he's, they're just... They're just going to have a difficult run of it. Like, just because you can, you can see the, the kind of behavior, the kind of decisions that they make. And unless, something, unless someone <laughs> or something intervenes in their lives, you can see they're going to have a tough time. You know, they're, going to make, they're going to make bad choices, and uh, that's going to come back to, to, to bite them. I remember there was one occasion where I was talking to someone at a, at a retreat, and they were telling me how things were going in their life, and I just had to be really, really clear with them. I said, if you continue living like this, do you know you're going to get very, very hurt? If you continue living like this, do you know that the chances of, of you getting pregnant are quite high eventually? And then are you ready to be a mom? Are you ready to be a mom with no dad around to help? 
Are you ready for all the consequences of that? Are you ready for it? Like, because that's where your life is heading. You can change that now by your choices or what will happen will happen. Because I, I can choose to sin. I can choose to sin. But I cannot choose the consequences of sin. I can choose to drink until I'm drunk. I cannot choose what happens afterwards. I can choose to commit adultery. I cannot choose the effect that's going to have on my family. I can choose to hold a grudge. I cannot choose the effect that's going to have on my soul. I can't. I'm not in control of that. So I can choose sin, but I can't choose its consequences. So once sin starts to get a grip, things start to go out of control. And you wonder how and why. How on earth did we end up here? Once we, we start to choose sin, it all starts to unravel. That girl, by the way, was mighty offended by what I said. But it all came to pass. And I can imagine what it's like you know, for God looking on as a, as a loving father and knowing, knowing our hearts, knowing what we're capable of, and also, of course, knowing the future, and knowing that this, this, this could be stopped, this can be stopped if we choose him, if we choose what's sometimes the harder way, the way of virtue. But in comparison to, to the wages of sin, if you will, death, in comparison to the consequences of sin, choosing the right thing actually isn't that hard. In comparison to the consequences, the wages of sin, choosing the right thing is not that hard. But for when we fall, we have the Feast of Divine Mercy. We have confession available to us constantly. And this feast is, is such a, an astounding gift. The Lord himself says, On that day, the very depths of my tender mercy are open. I pour out a whole ocean of graces, upon those souls who approach the fount of my mercy. The soul that will go to confession and receive Holy Communion shall obtain complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. Let no soul fear to draw near to me, even though its sins be as scarlet. My mercy is so great that no mind, be it of man or of angel, will be able to understand it through all eternity. So that's today's that's today's feast day. The Lord is trying everything, trying every possible way to help us, to, to communicate his grace to us. Everything from the sacraments, from the rosary, Divine Mercy Chaplet, uh, Stations of the Cross, any sort of devotion, any sort of consecration, miraculous medals, brown scapulars, uh, liturgical feasts, everything. He's trying every way possible, holy water, trying everything possible to get into your heart. So he's not, he's not, make, he's not making you jump through hoops. He's trying to make this as easy as possible. And if you're not into the divine mercy, there are other ways. If you're not into the other ways, there are other, like, there's so many ways that God is trying to find to get into your heart for you to understand his love for you and his mercy for you. One simple story that we often use in, in, in school retreats in order to, to help us understand what God's mercy is like is um, one based on, on a bit of hurling. Here we're in County Waterford, very near County Tipperary and way too close to County Kilkenny. Um, and these are all hurling areas, hurling counties, a lot of rivalry there. It's all, all in jest, all in good humour most of the time. And, uh, and you can just imagine like, especially in, in, in a, a school of lads, school of se- a secondary school, uh, lads, they just love puck and ball. Right? They just love going out to the gable end of a house or, or a silage pit before the silage comes in, you know, and uh, just start pucking the ball off the wall, pucking and bouncing and pucking and bouncing and pucking and bouncing and catching and the whole lot. But invariably, the moment will come 
where after pucking around for about 10 minutes, like, you just want to blast it. You know what I mean? You want to do like an almighty puck out kind of a thing. You know what I mean? So you wind up, you take 10 steps back, your horse, and you absolutely clatter it. The danger of that, of course, it can, she, can, she can gain a bit of height and go a bit further than one had planned. And this kind of thing happens. It happened, used to happen to me all the time at home. I just imagine this, this story of someone poking a ball against the wall. You know what I mean? He hits the ball and it goes clean over the gable house. Right down into the neighbor's greenhouse. You can just imagine. You know, imagine the embarrassment, the shock, and the ugh. And then you walk in, and you say, Dad, Dad, I was just playing hurling outside, and uh, I hit the ball over the wall. It's gone. It's going to be a big tragedy. And you can imagine that Dad saying, okay, it's all right. We'll head over to, to Miss Brown's. We'll head over now. So he goes over, he knocks on the door. Now comes Miss Brown. Oh, hello. Look at the sight. Aren't you wonderful? Don't you get fierce tall now? So on and so forth. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Miss Brown, um, Tommy has something he'd like to say to you. I was hitting the ball outside. It went over the wall. It's a big disaster. I'm sorry. And... Uh, and you can imagine her saying, that's, look, it's okay, Tommy. No harm done. No malice in it. It's all right. It's all right. And I always ask the kids then, you know, so is everything okay? Tommy said sorry. Miss Brown said it's all right. Are we good to go? Then there's always one smart article to say, and I want me ball back. Okay, yes, but there's, there's another issue, all right? There's another issue. And someone say, yeah, well, the greenhouse is still broke. Uh, yes, and what if at that moment then, Dad steps in? And says, uh, Miss Brown, I'll, uh, I'll cover the greenhouse. I'll, I'll, I'll change the dust for you, all right? And I always ask the kids in, like, at that point, like, why did the dad do that? Did the dad, was, was the dad obliged to do that? Did he need to do that? No. Was it even his fault? Absolutely not. So why is he paying his son's debt? He's paying his... That's, that's how the child sounded from the ball went straight to the greenhouse. Oh, it was awful. I know, it was hard. So, why is the father paying the son's debt? And they, they kind of fumble around that, that answer for a while. Why is the father paying the son's debt? Ultimately, the father pays the son's debt because the father loves the son. That's it. The cross is Jesus paying your debt. Not because you earn it, but because he loves you pure gift of mercy that's worth celebrating so we thank the Lord today for his infinite mercy for all of the graces that he wishes to pour upon each one of us we open our hearts now to, to all that he offers us this, this purification of our souls that in a world so, so tarnished by sin that we might answer the Lord's call to be the saints of our times Amen.